Welcome to the Improve the News podcast for Wednesday, July 26, 2023. I'm Melissa Topshire. And I'm Eric Steiner with a look at today's top stories. Speaker McCarthy suggests a possible Biden impeachment inquiry. China installs a new foreign minister. An arrest warrant is issued for Imran Khan in Pakistan. A UN watchdog discovers mines at Ukraine's Russia-controlled nuclear plant. Biden establishes a national monument for Emmett Till. The U.S. Department of Justice sues Texas over a floating barrier in the Rio Grande. TikTok adds support for text posts. Former President Obama's chef tragically drowns. Transgender swimmers will now be included in world competitions. And a new report ties the recent global heat waves to climate change. In our top story, House Speaker McCarthy suggests a possible Biden impeachment inquiry. Here are the facts as agreed upon by NPR Online News, Associated Press, The Hill, Washington Examiner, PBS NewsHour, and ABC News. U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Republican of California, has suggested the GOP could launch an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden over allegations of financial misconduct and claims of meddling in the Justice Department's investigation into Hunter Biden. McCarthy first made the suggestion during a Monday night interview with Fox News' Sean Hannity and later reiterated the idea while speaking at the Capitol on Tuesday. The speaker pointed to the two IRS whistleblowers who claimed that prosecutors deliberately ignored paper protocols in the investigation into Hunter Biden's tax crimes, as well as House findings that millions of foreign funds went to the Biden family via shell companies. McCarthy also referenced an unverified FBI form that claims then-Vice President Biden and his son received $5 million from Ukrainian energy company Burisma. Dating back to the first impeachment trials of former President Donald Trump, Republicans have been looking into allegations that the Bidens received millions from Burisma to oust a Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating the company. However, Democrats claim that the allegations have been disproven. An impeachment inquiry would be the first step towards bringing articles of impeachment forward, and an investigation could extend far into campaign season. While there's no sign of an imminent inquiry, McCarthy says Republicans will, quote, follow this to the end. Thank you, Eric, for laying out the facts. And on this program, we separate the facts from the narrative spins. We'll begin this round with a Republican narrative from The New York Post. Democrats and their friends in the corporate media have done their best to shield the Biden family, but there's ample evidence that Hunter Biden used his father's power to land his role at a Ukrainian energy company and that his father accepted millions to do it favors. The IRS has also done all it can to stall investigations into Hunter's tax crimes. It's time that the Bidens be held accountable. MSNBC provides the Democratic narrative. Republicans are desperately attempting to go after President Biden, despite years of their investigations going absolutely nowhere. In an attempt to use Hunter's foreign work and personal life to implicate his father, the GOP is wielding disproven allegations that don't hold any weight. It's time to move on. And here's the statistics-based nerd narrative from the Metaculous Prediction community. This one says there's a 17% chance that Joe Biden will be impeached by the House of Representatives. Want to help us improve the news? Go to improvethenews.org slash pod and take our quick survey and tell us what you think. And now, back to the news. Chin Gong is replaced as China's foreign minister. 
Here are the facts as agreed upon by the New York Times, Al Jazeera, BBC News, CNN, Reuters, and The Guardian. After an extended absence from the public eye, China on Tuesday replaced Qin Gong as the country's foreign minister, installing seasoned diplomat Wang Yi in his place. Qin had served as the ambassador to the U.S. and became the foreign minister in 2022. China has provided no explanation for the sudden removal, with Qin making no public appearances since June 25th. Qin has missed numerous high-profile diplomatic meetings, with China telling the Association of Southeast Asian Nations, or ASEAN, that Qin's absence from a summit was for health reasons. The 57-year-old was a rising star in the Chinese Communist Party, with observers calling his swift advancements a sign of trust vested in him by China's leader, Xi Jinping. Since his tenure as an ambassador, he has exemplified Beijing's aggressive diplomatic style. Qin will be replaced by predecessor Wang Yi, who served from 2013 to 2022. Before the recent shakeup, Wang had served as the CCP Director of Foreign Affairs, China's top diplomatic post. Wang is considered by observers to be a senior, authoritative, and impeccable statesman and was promoted to the CCP's Politburo last month, one of the country's top political bodies. The decision to remove Chin was made by the National People's Congress, which was assembled for a hasty meeting outside of their usual schedule. The move has fueled intense speculation inside and outside of China, and Chin will retain his position on the State Council, China's top administrative body, for the time being. Melissa, thank you for the facts of that story. Our first spin is an anti-China narrative coming from U.S. News & World Report. Amid an economic downturn, the sudden replacement of a top official was the last thing Xi needed to maintain his unshakable grip on power in the PRC. That Chin was promoted before more senior figures indicated that a great degree of trust was placed in the former foreign minister, with this shakeup reflecting poorly on the Chinese leader. Because the leading exporter of China's wolf warrior diplomacy has departed, Xi may be moving away from the aggressive style of diplomacy that has dictated his rule and indicates a diplomatic softening in Beijing. Here's the pro-China narrative from the Global Times. External powers shouldn't waste time reading tea leaves. Wang Yi is a widely respected diplomat, and any wild speculation about the move is simply unfounded. Chin has retained his position as a senior politician, indicating that reports of his fall from grace have been greatly exaggerated. Despite a thirst for cloak-and-dagger stories of diplomatic intrigue by the West, it's simply business as usual in China. News coming from Pakistan as a new arrest warrant has been issued for former Prime Minister Khan. Here are the facts as agreed upon by Al Jazeera, India Today, ABC News, GEO, and Associated Press. Pakistan's Election Commission, or ECP, on Monday issued a non-bailable arrest warrant for former Prime Minister Imran Khan whom the Supreme Court granted bail on Monday in a different case. Khan has faced more than 150 cases since Parliament removed him from office in April of 2022. The warrant claims that Khan and other members of his Pakistan Tariq-e-Insaf PTI party repeatedly ignored the ECP's requests for their appearance in court for a contempt case and instead challenged the notices and proceedings. Khan appeared Tuesday before a special tribunal of the ECP with his lawyers in Islamabad for a brief hearing. On the same day, Khan also faced charges before Pakistan's Federal Investigation Agency for allegedly exposing a secret document. The hearing saw the ECP postpone the contempt indictment until August 2nd, 
a case that accuses Khan of using intemperate language against the ECP and its chief election commissioner. It's also pursuing legal action against PTI chairman Assad Umar and former information minister Fawad Shadri. Khan's litany of legal charges includes corruption, terrorism, and inciting violence during deadly protests that broke out after he was arrested in May for a graft case. The riots stopped after the Supreme Court ordered Khan's release, and multiple courts have since shielded him from arrest. Khan, currently the main opposition leader, has denounced legal proceedings against him as politically motivated. He still has a strong base of supporters despite Pakistan's media regulator banning television channels from airing his speeches and even naming him. Well, Eric just gave you the facts, and we'll start this round of spins with Narrative A from the Associated Press. Khan has been mired in controversy for years, and he must finally deal with the consequences of his actions. He has repeatedly acted like he is above the law, defying orders from multiple courts and regulatory bodies. While he may have been able to evade the legal system until now, he can no longer hide from the corruption, violence, and other scandals that have plagued Pakistan. Narrative B comes from The Guardian. Khan has become a political martyr who is taking all the abuse from the establishment in order to fight for the Pakistani people. Corrupt government agencies and courts are doing all they can to make an example out of him and are dismantling democracy in the process. But the more he's persecuted, the more his supporters will rally behind him. A UN watchdog discovers mines at Ukraine's Russia-controlled nuclear plant. Here are the facts as agreed upon by the IAEA and CBS. The UN's atomic watchdog, the International Atomic Energy Agency, or IAEA, said its experts have observed the presence of directional anti-personnel mines on the periphery of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine. The plant, held by Russian forces within weeks of launching its invasion of Ukraine, has long been at the center of allegations from both countries. Following fears of a nuclear catastrophe, the IAEA established a permanent presence at the plant in last September. Nine months later, the agency first reported the presence of mines at the plant last month, shortly after Ukraine's counteroffensive got underway. According to the statement, Russian security personnel at the plant explained to IAEA officials that the mines were for defensive purposes. In its latest statement on Monday, the IAEA said that its team saw some mines located in a buffer zone between the site's internal and external perimeter barriers. The experts reported that they were situated in a restricted area that operating plant personnel cannot access and were facing away from the site. The team did not observe any within the inner site perimeter during the walkdown. Rafael Grossi, the IAEA's director general, said, quote, Our team has raised this specific finding with the plant, and they have been told that it is a military decision and in an area controlled by military. He added, But having such explosives on the site is inconsistent with the IAEA safety standards and nuclear security guidance and creates additional psychological pressure on plant staff, even if the IAEA's initial assessment, based on its own observations and the plant's clarification, is that any detonation of these mines should not affect the site's nuclear safety and security systems. The team will continue its interactions with the plant. Melissa, thank you for the rundown of those facts. Our first spin is a pro-Ukraine narrative coming from Kyiv Independent. This IAEA statement confirms the allegations previously made by Ukrainian officials that Russia has rigged the plant with explosives and is preparing to commit an act of nuclear terrorism. TASS brings us a pro-Russia narrative. 
As stated by the IAEA statement, the presence of these mines has no effect on the site's nuclear safety. Their only aim is to prevent Ukrainian forces from attempting to launch an attack on the facility. And the nerds from the Metaculous Prediction community say there's a 14% chance that there will be a serious radiation incident at any nuclear plant in Ukraine by 2024. President Biden to establish a national monument for Emmett Till. Here are the facts as agreed upon by NPR Online News, CBS, Business Insider, and Fox News. President Joe Biden is expected to sign a proclamation on Tuesday to establish the Emmett Till and Mamie Till Mobley National Monument across three sites in Illinois and Mississippi. The event comes on the 82nd anniversary of Till Mobley's birthday. The mutilated body of Till, a 14-year-old black boy from Chicago who was visiting family in Mississippi at the time of his death, was found on August 31, 1955, three days after his abduction. His death became a touchstone moment in the civil rights movement. Carolyn Bryant Donham, a white woman working as a grocery clerk, reportedly accused Till of making unwanted advances towards her, which led Donham's husband Roy Bryant and his half-brother J.W. Milam to abduct, torture, and lynch the teenager. Though Bryant and Milam confessed their actions in a 1956 magazine interview, they were acquitted of murder charges. In 2022, a grand jury declined to prosecute Carolyn Dunham, who died in April of 2023 for her role in the events. One site is expected to be Chicago's Roberts Temple Church of God in Christ, where thousands mourned Till's death. Grayball Landing in Mississippi, where locals believe Till's body was found, will be a second site, while the third will be the Tallahatchie County 2nd District Courthouse, where his killers were acquitted. Those were the facts, and here are the narrative spins. We'll start with a Republican narrative from PJ Media. Biden and his allies on the loony left can't help but pander to anyone related to the civil rights movement. Till's death was a tragedy that could easily be recognized with a museum or a national park. But Biden had to take things further and establish a national monument to prove his woke credentials ahead of the 2024 election. The New York Times gives us the Democratic narrative. Biden must establish this national monument and others like it to push back on Republican efforts to bury black history and twist some historical accounts, including the recent Florida teaching standard that states enslaved people benefited during their oppression from learning skills. The national monument will keep Till's story alive and will aid society in marking the real history and enabling America to learn from it. And there's another nerd narrative from Metaculus that says there's a 50% chance that at least 12% of black voters will vote for a Republican president in the 2024 U.S. presidential election. The U.S. DOJ sues Texas over a floating barrier in the Rio Grande. Here are the facts as agreed upon by CNN, Forbes, the Texas Tribune, Fox 26 Houston, and BBC News. The DOJ filed a lawsuit against the state of Texas on Monday over its use of floating barriers in the Rio Grande. The barriers are reportedly being used to deter migrants from crossing into the state from Mexico. The lawsuit, filed in the Western District of the Texas U.S. District Court, requests the judge compelled the state to remove the structure at its own expense, on the grounds that it was built in U.S. water without permission from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. The news comes hours after Texas Governor Greg Abbott refused to comply with the DOJ-imposed Monday deadline to commit to removing the buoys, as he accused the Biden administration of violating his constitutional duty to protect the U.S. against invasion. 
This legal action was preceded by a diplomatic complaint about the wall of buoys from the Mexican government, as well as a lawsuit filed by a local kayaking business. The 1,000-foot or 305-meter barrier near Eagle Pass, part of a border patrol sector which has seen the second-highest number of migrants crossing this fiscal year, is the latest escalation of Texas's Operation Lone Star, a multi-billion dollar response to the surge at the border. Texas claims that over 394,000 illegal immigrants have been detained and over 31,000 criminal arrests made since the operation was first launched in March of 2021. Thank you, Melissa, for those facts. We start with a Democratic narrative coming from the Atlantic. Texas and other red states are employing extreme tactics against undocumented migrants trying to cross the border, but they aren't allowed to violate federal law, as Abbott did by building this floating barrier. Such measures are challenging the legal limits on states' ability to infringe on federal authority over immigration and creating a dangerous split within the U.S. reminiscent of the pre-Civil War era. The center square brings us a Republican narrative. It's outrageous that the Biden administration, which has failed to address the tragic humanitarian crisis on the border, is attempting to reverse lawful efforts to secure the southern border. Under the U.S. Constitution, Texas has the sovereign authority to take action, meaning it can deploy every strategy to protect Texans, Americans, and migrants who are risking their own lives. According to Metaculous Prediction Community and their nerd narrative, they say there's a 0.5% chance that Texas will vote to secede from the U.S. before 2024. In our next story, TikTok adds support for text posts. Here are the facts as agreed upon by USA Today, ABC News, BBC News, The Guardian, and CNN. Social media app TikTok announced that as of Monday, the platform would begin supporting text posts in addition to existing features. The ByteDance-owned app, which is known mostly for its live videos, photos, duets, and stitches, follows in the footsteps of Twitter, Facebook, Threads, and other social media apps that have long featured the inclusion of text-only posts. In a statement, TikTok said it has opened up the app to text posts in order to, quote, empower our creators and community with innovative tools that inspire self-expression. This news comes weeks after TikTok launched a new music streaming service in several countries, allowing users to listen, share, and download the music they have discovered on TikTok, in addition to sharing their favorite music with other TikTok users. TikTok states it has more than a billion users worldwide, though this is significantly short of the 2.3 billion users on Instagram. Research shows TikTok's audience is younger. TikTok's decision also comes during a time of accelerated change in the social media landscape, with Instagram's parent company Meta this month having launched a text-based app called Threads, while Elon Musk's Twitter this week unveiled a rebrand of the platform, which will be renamed X. Thank you, Eric, for those facts. And we'll start with narrative A from TechCrunch. TikTok, which has long dominated the short video market, clearly sees an opening in other aspects of social media in light of Twitter's, now X's, fumbled rebrand and other mistakes made since the platform was taken over. People were already finding ways to add text to their TikTok posts, but this function will make it easier, and TikTok will attract more users with the improved functionality. X should be worried. Forbes gives us narrative B. TikTok shouldn't celebrate a victory prematurely. It still faces several obstacles, including concerns legislators in the U.S. and other countries maintain over how the Chinese-owned app handles user data. TikTok is even facing bans in some parts of its user base. It looks like Thread's challenge to X has slowed down, but TikTok has a long way to go 
The fort will knock Musk's platform off its perch. And the nerds are at it again, this time from Metaculus. It says there's a 9% chance that the U.S. will ban TikTok before 2024. Eric, this probably says more about me than about TikTok, but all of my social media platforms have now basically become my personally targeted America's Funniest Videos channel. (laughs) Yeah, I believe it. Obama's personal chef drowns on Martha's Vineyard. Here are the facts as agreed upon by The Guardian. Massachusetts State Police News. The body of Tafari Campbell, former President Barack Obama's personal chef, was discovered at the Edgartown Great Pond on Martha's Vineyard on Monday. Massachusetts State Police confirmed. Police said they received a call about Campbell's disappearance at just before 8 p.m. local time Sunday, adding that the call came from an individual that had been paddleboarding with Campbell. According to the police statement, the unnamed individual said Campbell had gone into the water, appeared to briefly struggle to stay on the surface, then submerged and did not resurface. Police paused their search Sunday but found Campbell's body just before 10 a.m. local time the following day. Divers retrieved the body approximately 100 feet from the shore at a depth of about 8 feet. Police also said that the Obamas were not at their Martha's Vineyard residence when the incident occurred. The Obamas released a statement calling Campbell, quote, a beloved part of our family who had an ability to bring people together. Melissa, thank you for the facts of that story. Our first spin is a pro-establishment narrative coming from CNN. This tragedy appears to be a paddleboarding excursion gone horribly wrong. Local police are investigating the death, but at this stage, it appears it was an accident. And an establishment critical narrative comes from SK Pop. The details surrounding this death are suspicious. Campbell was a seasoned swimmer, and there's no explanation for why he would go into the lake at such a late hour. More mysteriously, he was not the first White House chef to drown. All angles must be investigated in detail. In sports news, trans swimmers are now going to be included in world aquatics competitions. And here are the facts as agreed upon by NBC, Yahoo Sports, Forbes, and Associated Press. World Aquatics, the global governing body for swimming, announced on Tuesday that they will set up an open category that will include transgender competitors. World Aquatics President Hussein al-Musalam announced that a trial run for an open category would include transgender competitors for future competitions, but did not provide a timetable on when it would be implemented. The move comes a year after the organization announced that it would ban any transgender woman who went through male puberty or had gender reassignment surgery after the age of 12 from competing in the female category at competitions. In his announcement, Al Musalam emphasized his commitment to fostering inclusion in the sport, saying, quote, It was very important that we projected fair competition for our female athletes. Nobody should be excluded from our competitions. The British Triathlon Federation made a similar decision last year, saying that due to the physiology advantages that transgender women have, the Federation would be holding a separate open competition for gender non-conforming triathlon competitors assigned male at birth, including transgender and non-binary people. The debate around the place of transgender athletes in competitive sports was stirred after American swimmer Leah Thomas won the women's 500-yard freestyle at the 2022 NCAA Championships in Atlanta, becoming the first transgender woman to claim a national title in swimming. Those were the facts, and here are the narrative spins. We'll begin with a right narrative from Forbes. 
Although transgender women may identify as women, that doesn't negate the fact that they have real physical advantages from going through male puberty. Allowing performance-advantaged transgender women to compete at the expense of cisgender women would violate the core reason that separate women's competitions exist. Having a third category open for transgender athletes to compete in preserves the fairness of women's sports while still allowing these athletes to compete. The ACLU gives us the left narrative for this story. Excluding women who are transgender harms all women and invites harmful gender policing. A person's genetics and reproductive anatomy are not useful indicators of athletic performance, so there's no inherent reason why the physiological characteristics related to the athletic performance of a transgender woman should be treated any differently from the physiological characteristics of a non-transgender woman. Transgender women should be able to compete in women's sports. A new report ties the recent global heat waves to climate change. Here are the facts as agreed upon by CNN, The Hill, NBC, NPR Online News, ABC News, and The Washington Post. In a rapid attribution analysis, the World Weather Attribution Initiative found that the heat waves scorching the U.S., Southern Europe, and China would have been virtually impossible without the contributions of human-caused climate change. The initiative admits that while the heat waves would still occur, searing temperatures would have been much cooler without the multiplying factors that come with climate change. The heat waves recorded reportedly span between 1 degree and 2.5 degrees Celsius hotter because of the warming climate. Friedrich Otto, a climate scientist at Imperial College London and one of the scientists that makes up the consortium of the initiative, said, This is not a surprise. In the past, these events would have been extremely rare. During July's heat wave, more than 2,000 temperature records were broken in the U.S. alone. On Monday, Palermo, Sicily, destroyed its 232-year-old high-temperature record by reaching 117 degrees Fahrenheit. Without climate change, the likelihood of such extreme heat events would be approximately one in every 250 years. While the initiative did not factor the El Nino weather pattern into their data, they acknowledge that climate models account for the pattern and the impacts have minimal comparison to the impacts of global warming. Melissa, thank you for the facts of that story. This story has generated several spins, beginning with an establishment-critical narrative coming from PBS. As global warming progresses, heat waves will continue to increase in frequency and severity. Climate change aside, a dangerous El Nino pattern is setting up anyway. Communities around the world that typically dump money into preparedness for other hazards will now need to focus on extreme heat. Heat-related illness is now the leading killer among all weather hazards in the U.S. Authorities must step up and do more to protect the vulnerable. And here's a pro-establishment narrative from the Center for Climate and Energy Solutions. The Biden administration has been a global leader in making great strides toward improving extreme heat response. Biden has shined a spotlight on the threat and led the development of the first-ever heat-specific safety standard for workers. While there's still work to be done, the administration has moved the needle on reducing emissions and mitigating the current level of risk, and setting a higher bar for the global community. The Guardian gives us Narrative C. As climate scientists watch the extreme heat ravage the northern hemisphere, the only regret is that report after report still has not spurred significant action. Disappointment hangs over the scientists, as they may have failed to communicate the threat and the risks of no action more clearly. 
The World Weather Attribution Initiative is known for being a fair umpire of whether extreme events are attributed to climate change. Hopefully, it's not too late for better science communication. And the nerds have the final word today. The Metaculous community says there's a 20% chance that there will be a 3.6 degrees Celsius increase in global warming by 2100. Thanks for listening to the Improve the News podcast for Wednesday, July 26th, 2023. Each day we use machine learning to read about 5,000 articles from about 100 newspapers and figure out which ones are about the same stories. For each major story, our editorial team then extracts both the key facts that all articles agree on and the key narratives where the articles differ. For more information on Improve the News, please visit our website, improvethenews.org. You can also download the Improve the News app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. For Melissa Topshire, I'm Eric Steiner inviting you to join us next time on Improve the News.